Ready, set, go! Welcome to the EV Diaries. This is the place where we discuss EVs in small town America. Now, part of my job as a senior distribution engineer for a rural cooperative is to make sure that we have reliable power delivery. I'm the one that plans and designs the protection scheme for our entire system. After 15 years or so, I have systemized everything to where I can make quick decisions based on just a few points of data. But people all the time ask me what I do for the co-op. And my answer is, I keep the lights on. And that's true to a degree. In this day and age, it's more important than ever to have reliable electricity. I mean, so many of us are working from home. Our children are going to school online. We depend on all of our communications, all because of electricity. Outages are inconvenient and inevitable. And that's because things happen. The wind blows, trees fall. You have every once in a while a sacrificial squirrel. Car accidents, vandalism, all sorts of weather, wildfires, and even the threat of wildfire. What prompted this episode was Hurricane Laura. When I started looking at this and rolling this topic around in my mind, it was last Thursday and Laura just had made landfall. At the time, there were over a half a million people in Texas and Louisiana without power, and those numbers were, were rising. I pondered this all the way to Nashville. Now, keep in mind, I spent the entire weekend in the quote-unquote cone of uncertainty but let me tell you, I was happy to be there and not in Louisiana. I would occasionally look at poweroutage.us, which is a great website that will show you all the power outages in the U.S. It was really great to be able to see what was going on in Louisiana and Texas. It also occurred to me that at any given moment, residents of California have... 15,000 homes without power at any given moment. If we are as dependent on electricity as we are now, how much more so are we going to be when 25% of the cars on the road are EVs? How about 50% or 75%? Robert Burns wrote a poem entitled To a Mouse in 1785. And I don't remember much of the poem uh, other than it was like freshman literature class. But I do remember the best laid schemes of mice and men, Gong of the Glay. Now, it is written in a style that is very Scottish. So, Gong of the Glay means often go astray. But that's the one thing I remember from this poem. Things are going to go haywire. Maybe you're in a Zoom meeting or your kids learning algebra and the screen goes black. Perhaps, Lord love you, you're on oxygen and the power shuts down. Maybe it's Super Bowl Sunday, your favorite team has the ball fourth and goal on the two yard line, 
There's 17 seconds left to go in the game. The other team's up by three, and flip, the TV shuts off. There's never a convenient time to have a power outage, unless you plan it like, you know, if you go camping and your whole point is to be away from electricity for a few days. And I still, in this society, I don't know very many people can't go without charging their phone. So it's, uh, it's just never convenient to have a power outage. Now think about owning an EV. It's the same, if not worse. If you depend on your car to get you to and from work and the power goes out overnight, what do you do? And I thought about this for a while and I was crafting the narrative I wanted to tell in my head, but I got sidetracked pretty easily. Now, this was Thursday. I was still hoping out for a Friday episode. And then I was brought back around to this idea on Friday afternoon. In Nashville, we had a tornado warning, which tornadoes are usually spawned off by hurricanes. So as Laura was moving through, we had a few tornado warnings. And at one point Friday, around 2 o'clock, we were ushered into the bowels of the Opryland Hotel in Nashville and remained there for about 30 minutes until we got to all clear. And the entire time I was there, I was thinking about reliability and some of the things that I've seen since I've been working at the co-op. I have been through an ice storm that it took us 12 days to restore the system to normal. It only affected about half of our system. That same ice storm in western Kentucky, and if you remember, this was around 2009, um, there were people in western Kentucky that didn't have power for 30 days. We had a tornado come through a couple of years ago. And let me tell you, if Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel shows up in your neighborhood, it's not, it's not good. He came to town that day. We had tornadoes. It was about six days to get everything back to normal. And that only touched a fraction of our system. Um, we get all sorts of two- and three-day events that can be caused by weather, whether it's storms or floods. We can have mudslides that cause power outages that can last two to three days. From a reliability standpoint, I promise you, the electric company is doing their best. Because, face it, if the meters aren't turning we're not generating revenue and that's just bad for business but past that in co-op world it's worse than that because the meters are not turning but it's the meters that belong to your friends family and your neighbors so yeah outages are a big deal in small town america to the point that a lot of our linemen take them personally <laughs> but that's another story so what are some options to hedge your bets towards reliability? Now, a friend of mine wants to start a generator sales and installation business. And I believe that that is great. I think there is a need to have that backup generation system attached to your home. Uh, if you're an EV owner, it's great because you don't have to worry about uh, not being able to charge your car. And you get to pick what is on the generator and what is not. Maybe you take your car, your refrigerator, a deep freeze, you know. Let me tell you, if it's a power outage, you don't need to be doing laundry. It'll wait. 
there again, I know many EV owners are trying to move away from fossil fuels and a generator is going to use some sort of fossil fuel. Personally, I find battery backups to be really interesting. Um, they can take you through overnight outages. It would be perfect for coupling with renewables. Um, and I've mentioned that several times. I'm a big fan of that. Um, and you've got some limitation of cycling just like you do with any batteries. But this is often a big second life for EV batteries. Once they get worn out from being able to power your car, they can still power your home. That's the two that immediately come to mind, especially if you're a battery electric vehicle owner. Another option if you want to drive an EV but are worried about reliability is plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. But there you're not maximizing your EV potential, but it's an option. And maybe you are, depending on what your daily driving habits are, you may be able to... Um, find a vehicle that will allow you to use battery 99.9% .9 of the time and the only reason that you would ever have to use gasoline is maybe in an emergency situation. But thinking back to Laura, thinking about it, how would I have played this if I had been living in Louisiana when this hurricane came through? Now keep in mind, my car can go 90 to 110 miles on a battery and I do have the range extender backup but let's let's not even play the range extender card let's just say if I only had a battery to get me where I'm going what am I doing well first of all let me preempt all this by saying weather is unpredictable and this is where a longer range vehicle would have been uh, a great benefit if the world was to shut down the way it has for a lot of folks. Um, but hurricanes are a little different uh, than, say, tornadoes and thunderstorms. Wildfires are a bit different than everything else, too. But if I was under the threat of a hurricane or wildfires, I think that I would charge 90 to 100% every night that I was under the threat. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that every day. I am one of these people that are the 80-20 rule when it comes to charging. Um, but in the situation like this, it's best to be prepared. Uh, if you can predict what's going to happen, like a hurricane, you know, keep a watch on what's going on. Plan your escape route, uh, figure out where you're going to charge, and when it's time to get the hell out of Dodge, then leave. Um, give yourself ample time to evacuate. I guess what I'm saying is have a plan if you've got time to plan. Now, rapid events like tornadoes, thunderstorms, I think that I would charge earlier in the day. Um... And I know this is, we've talked about demand and trying to keep your rates low and how all that works. But if I'm under a tornado warning or watch, I should say, um, if I know thunderstorms are coming through and this is the south in September now, uh, 
summertime in the south, it's going to rain every day, and some of it's going to be pretty severe. So I'd charge earlier, um, but there's one caveat. Storms like these don't have nearly the long-lasting effects as, say, a hurricane or a wildfire. They're not nearly as wild or widespread. Um, so in this situation, I'm going to know where my charging options are because unlike some of the counties in Louisiana right now, I'm not going to have a 100% outage that's not within driving distance. I mean, that's, that's really, that would be rare. So the likelihood is that I could find someone to, or find somewhere to charge my car within the range that my car has. But thinking about that too, I have been um, not charging my car until I get down to 30 or 40%. So I might go two days before I charge. And thinking about this, if I'm under the threat of a tornado watch, or if I know that there's going to be severe weather in the forecast, I'm thinking I need to be charging every evening, even if it's only up to 80%, um, just in case. You know, if my car's 65%, I've only went 15 miles that day, why not go ahead and charge it up to 80% just to be prepared? This episode might have should have been a drive time. I don't know. But the bottom line is that you need to think ahead and have all these scenarios mapped out. And the biggest reason to do this is, A, you don't have to worry about it if you already know what you're going to do. And B, instinctively, when the time comes, you're going to do what you know to do. So from my standpoint, the electric company is still going to do its best to make sure the lights stay on, but it's best to be prepared. As I'm writing this, there's still 300,000 people without power in Texas and Louisiana. There's 15,000 outages in California. You can check all of that out on poweroutage.us. It's a pretty cool website. So, that being said, Here's hoping for a speedy, safe restoration for the people in Louisiana and Texas and just a prayer for those affected so that they can get their lives back on track as quickly as possible. Hit that subscribe button and be sure to share the podcast with friends. The Twitter poll results are a bit underwhelming. Um, actually, the the vote was unanimous that... Um, no, we don't need mandates that EV adoption will happen organically, but that's based on one vote. It's all right. It was my first Twitter poll. I'll do more. Hopefully, we'll get a better turnout next time. The EV revolution is here, so prepare well so that we can keep this a fun, uninterrupted ride.